Hey everyone, welcome to the A to Z of sex, or the A to Z of sex if you're in North America. I'm Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a psychologist, sex and intimacy coach, and a gender, sex, and relationship diversity therapist. And I am working my way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. I created this podcast to help you learn to express your desires, learn more about desires, spice up your relationships, and create those sizzling relationships that you have always wanted. I do this through solid science, real-life stories, and conversations with an exciting array of experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies that will help you choose the relationship style that works best for you and create exactly what you want and need. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and you can take advantage of the subscriber bonuses. And if you want to know more, head over to drlauribethbisbee.com and sign up for my email list so that you can find out exactly what is going on in my world from week to week. But for now, come join me and enter my world of sex and relationships. See you inside. Hey everyone, welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. For the past 35 years, I have worked with people to help create and maintain incredible relationships with sizzling sex and without shame. I'm a psychologist, accredited advanced gender, sex, and relationship diversity therapist, and a sex and intimacy coach. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. And today the letter is I, and I is for ick. <laughs> I'm going to have so much fun with this. Joining me today are Kitty Winks, who's a writer focusing on modern sex, dating, and relationships known for her brutally honest opinions and refusal to conform to the norm. Kitty has previously worked as a bookseller, museum guide, and is the co-author of The Little Book of Ick. Anna Burt has worked in publishing for almost a decade and is currently head of events at a global writing consultancy. She is the host of Brighton Book Club on Radio Reverb and has run a successful writing group for the last four years. She's recently finished her first novel, which is set in Yorkshire, and explores grief, sexuality, intergenerational friendships, and drag. Welcome to the show. Hi, Loie. Thank you so much for having us. I am thrilled that you're here. So I really enjoyed this. For those of you who haven't seen it yet, The Little Book of Ick is the really easiest read. Tongue-in-cheek, but yes, thank you far, far. So for those of you who are not going to see the YouTube of this, We've just had the book held up. <laughs> you will have links. I promise there will be links. But it, it's, um, it's tongue in cheek, but it's unfortunately far too apropos when we think about dating in 2022. So talk to me about how this came into being and uh, what you want people to know. Um, it kind of came out quite naturally, really. I think over sort of 2020, especially, um, ick really came into prevalence over social media especially on TikTok um, and people posting their ick videos to like help other people get over people and using the ick as almost like a trigger um, kind of thing and then Anna was going through a breakup and I was sending her all of these videos that I had saved to help me get through my breakup a couple of months prior um, and then I think an offhand comment was made like oh we should make a book and they were both just like oh <laughs> we need to do a book um, so it just came very naturally and it was the in the nicest way like the easiest like joy to write ever um quite re-traumatizing at times um but we just had the best time going through what our kind of icks were and all of our friends as well yeah I think it really it, it was fun and it's a joy and to see to see people respond to it now like it's really making people laugh and that is really what it's about like it's about kind of taking the sting out of the kind of harsh reality of what it's like to date in you know these days because it's it's not easy and it's not straightforward and things have changed a lot in the last decade and I yeah. think what this book does is it just kind of shines a bit of light on um a, a bit of kind of light around it 
because it, you know the thing about the ick is um it's not necessarily rational it's that kind of feeling that you can't quite explain and I think that it's quite bonding for people and it's also quite funny to talk about and it's a really good conversation starter so um yeah it's been it's been really fun to do and um like you said uh, Laurie I've worked in publishing for quite a long time and it's really fun to be on the other side of it and just kind of watch this watch our book baby kind of go out into the world and it's selling really well and we're delighted with it really yeah no I mean I've I've got quite a number of books out that people are aware of and I've done with mainstream publishing and I've done I'm doing something with niche publishing at the moment and I've self-published and it's always a really interesting experience when you let go um the, the things that I self-published I primarily self-published because I wanted to be able to tell my story the way I wanted to tell it yeah and um if you work with a mainstream publisher, then you're agreeing to um, and edit in a very different way, which is fine for some of what I've done. I've been totally happy with that. But for other things, it's like, no, actually, it's not a big a deal to me how much it sells. It needs to be mine. So it's always it's always really interesting. And letting it go out into the world is quite scary. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just like cool. Um, I was really worried that um we were going to be targeted by incels. Um, but um touch a word that hasn't happened. So yet. far, no target. Well, it's really interesting because there were some men's ones in there. I did see some men's ones in there. What I found so interesting about this is that as you said, it is so personal. And things there were some things in there, I'm like, that's not it. That's yeah. quite okay, right? It, it's really very individual. That's what's been, for me, one of the best bits of the book coming out, actually, is because when we, Anna and I found it when we were writing it, like some things I was finding hilarious, Anna really wasn't, and vice versa. And then any time a new person comes to me and it's just like, oh my God, like this ick really got me, it will be completely different from person to person. Every single person finds something different in it. And I think that's what's the great thing of, yeah, everyone has different things that put them off and then other things that they're happy to kind of allow. Um, so yeah, allow to go by. But yeah. there, there's <laughs> one thing that it doesn't deal with, which I think is really an important thing for people to get in their heads, which is there's a lot of things that in the first six months to, to a year of a relationship, you might note as this could be ick or, ooh, isn't that cute? Which then turns <laughs> out to be ick later yeah. because you're in that wonderfully chemical new energy, new relationship energy state where your body's pumping out all the bonding chemicals. And so you don't really take note in the right way. So I thought that was funny. I was like, I was wondering how many of those things were actually seemed okay in the first year. And then after the first year went by, it was like actually ick. <laughs> yeah I, that's that's so funny you say that because um one thing that Kitty mentioned earlier is using it as a tool to get over people so kind of like um retrospectively thinking about people in those situations you're like oh yes I mean I um also I think about myself like I give my I mean there are so many things that I do that give myself the ick all the time and it's it's kind of funny and you have to laugh about it as well but I do think that that kind of state of limerence that you're often in at the beginning of a yes. relationship it's so easy to be clouded like there's nothing wrong they can do and then you look back and you think how did I how did I not like really how was I not repulsed by that at the time even for me my favorite one is even his snoring is cute and 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 now I, I'm so happy when I get to sleep in a separate room <laughs> right I love him to bits but mm -hmm. um you know um even the snoring is cute no the snoring's not cute snoring yeah. fucking keeps me awake at light not cute, right? <laughs> but in that beginning stage, you know, it, yeah, no, so there's all these things. And some of the icks we have, we still overall love the person. So we keep the relationship and we keep the person. I wonder how many people try and change icks. Like I have not had good success in changing some of the icks. I must say that there are things that I'm like, could you just stop doing that? Could you yeah, just? If it's habitual, there's no chance. It's not happening. You've got to make your peace with it. And that's when I think you kind of almost subconsciously need to decide, is this an ick or is it something I'm going to have to train myself to find endearing over time and a character trait? Oh, I've never been. There are things that I have not been able to find. I won't embarrass him. There are a couple of things I've not been able to find <laughs> endearing. And we're working at changing the habits because I am a behavioral scientist, so we can work at that. But I yeah. think you're also right. I mean, I think it can be very difficult. Um and uh, the retrospective icks are hysterical. I look at things, reasons for breaking up with people. I ended a, um, an engagement because he smelled wrong. 
That's the thing though, isn't it? Pheromones. Big yeah. thing. And he, I mean, he was neat and clean, you know, I mean, he actually washed quite a lot. He was neat and tidy, he wore a nice cologne, but like when he would start to sweat, it was just wrong. So it was wrong. And we were, yeah. I remember being in bed, having pushed myself past it like a hundred times because he was the nicest guy and he showered me with gifts and it would have been a nice life, right? I'd even brought him home to meet my parents. <laughs> it was just like, and then one day I just was like, I can't do this. And he's like, why? And I'm like, I can't do this. You just smell wrong. <laughs> Which I think that's completely valid to be fair. Completely insulting to him. And he never forgave me, but you know, I returned all the gifts except the one he insisted I keep, you know? And then I was like, okay, there it is. Um, whereas my husband, I won't let him get near me when I'm angry with him because his smell is so right that I calm down. So if I'm angry and I want to stay angry, you must stay across the room. He'll try and get close to me. Now you stay across the other side of the room. Oh, that is so romantic, Laurie. <laughs> 13 years <laughs> together is not bad. Not bad. Um, so yeah, no, but there's plenty. And so when we look at dating now, I mean, I do think it's more complex. Um. I'm somebody, because I'm older, I'm somebody who, in the old days, there was no internet. So you you dated because you met people, places, um, or you put an ad in the Village Voice, um, mm. put an ad in the paper, a want ad, which mm. was not unusual. Or you joined a dating agency, <laughs> yeah. you know, which was like, so we did the dark ages. Um, so I hate meeting people online first. That that always has bothered me, but it is now a fact of life. I can't do it. People do it. Yeah, I can't do it any other way. So I was talking to a friend the other day and I realized every single person I've dated, even so much as gone one date with, has been, I've met them online first. About 80% through dating apps and about 20% through Instagram, I'd say. Mm -hmm. But I've never dated anyone that I've met in person, yeah. ever. Really? Um, ever. Wow. Um, but for me, it's really important because... I like to vet people. <laughs> so do I. Um, effectively. Um, and if you, you know, meet someone at a bar or a party, you know that you kind of get on with them on a surface level and that you find them attractive. But for me, like cultural things and political things and all of those kinds of elements are so important. Even someone I'm dating casually, I need to have that. So if I've met someone online, I'm not wasting anyone's time by going on a date with them because if we've got to a stage of going on a date, I know we'll be fine. Well, like, so I, I, it's so interesting because I'm so the opposite. So um, I've only, I've only dated one person that I met online first. Um, right. And in the end, it, it was great. It was a great transitional thing. It worked for the transition that it needed to, but it, you know, I like to vet people as well. In fact, I think it's really important. I actually teach people how to vet people. And since I am um, um, into alternative lifestyles and kink and BDSM, it's really important, like vet, 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 and then vet them again. Um, so that you don't get killed. That's always a useful thing to stay alive. But um, for me, I want to meet them as soon as possible because I have met too many people where I've gotten along great. And then in person, the energy just, it didn't work. So I might meet them once and then decide I want to pursue it and then spend a lot of time online and in conversation so I can do more thorough vetting. Mm. But if, if I don't actually meet them in person, I hate spending six months getting to know somebody, you know, I, I watch people do this and then they meet them and it's like the energy is just like. Yeah, I'm a voice noter though. I think you can gauge a lot over a voice note as well. Like I also won't go on a date with someone I haven't voice noted. Um, in case they I have a silly voice. <laughs> oh yeah, that too. Cause, cause I didn't want to say it, <laughs> but yeah. That's an it. It does make a difference. And it's a huge difference. I've only had a relationship with one person that I met online. And even then we we had people in common, so it wasn't completely um, right. different. I'm not, I am, yeah, I've been, online dating has never really worked for me. Um, and I don't know why. I think it's because, um, I, you know, I couldn't actually tell you, but um, I much prefer to build friendships with people. And often the people that I've ended up with um, have been people that I've kind of um, you know known or have been kind of socially vetted by people that I know and care about I mean not that not that that leaves me in a relationship right now <laughs> but I'm very happily single 
Well, I'm I'm actually the, my main relationship because I'm polyamorous. My main relationship with my husband was is curious because we actually met in an event um, in the U.S. and it turned out, and we didn't know it, that we actually had about ten people in common, and that we'd been in some of the same places at the same time twenty years, thirty years before, but never met. And it was bizarre that we'd never met. But if we'd met then, we never would have lasted because where both of us were in life we had issues that were not have been compatible. And by the time we met, we were compatible, um, but we had people in common. Um, and in this case, they didn't help, which was interesting. In this case, they, the, the amount of misinformation was colossal. Um, and I think depending on your community, some communities are very small. So like if I were to decide that I wanted to date in the London polyamory community, which I don't spend time in, but if I were to decide I wanted to date there, like everybody knows everybody else. And that I'm doing it currently and it is tiny. Um, tiny. But I've just moved from Brighton and that was even worse in terms of the polyamorous community. So, so I'm living up, I just moved up to Scotland. I'm living in oh uh, north of Perth. Um, right. And so I'm going to be looking at Edinburgh and Glasgow and see what that looks like. Um, I never got fully involved with the London community, also because I'm a therapist and I work with people in the community. It's extra complicated for me but I'm surprised at how many people know how many people know how many people it helps with vetting, but it can get a bit incestuous. incestuous. Yeah. 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 Very incestuous. There was, and also with STIs. <laughs> in I'm sure. Way. Um, in Bryson, like everyone who is kind of on field, which is obviously one of the big poly kid, yep. um, friendly apps. Um, I know pretty much everyone in Bryson who was like dating at a certain time, got an STI at the same time. And it was all like linked back to the same person that everyone oh. knew. Um, it was a time luckily I was in a monogamous relationship at the time so I avoided it um but it, yeah very occupational well that would go on the list of icks but having an STI or knowing who's given it and, to a know, certain person the certain person who passed it on to everybody else would be kind of oh but sometimes yeah. it's an accident and you know I know I know and uh, we have all been there yeah I mean you know and, and and I know but like yeah not your favorite idea not a lot of fun but that's that's a problem when the communities are small but I do think it is I do think it's harder now um I, I a lot of people think it's easier because you, you've got a wider field but I actually don't think a wider field necessarily makes it easier I also think and I, don't, I wonder what you think about this I believe people are pickier now and more demanding now than they were and less willing to work things through. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about the willing to work things through, but I think demanding and picky and we know like as, as a woman, um, if we're talking about heterosexual dating, we know that we don't need men in the same way. So True. I wanna want someone, not need them. I don't need someone financially. You know, I don't need someone to fill these gaps that I don't have anymore. Um, so I think that we, um, and Kitty writes beautifully about this is that we look for different things in different people and that we don't mm -hmm. just need one person to fulfill everything anymore. So, um, and, I, and I think that maybe like, you know, especially women should be pickier. I think that I've definitely put up with a lot of terrible behaviour um, because, you know, growing up in the kind of noughties, you just, you just, that was the kind of narrative. It's like, what do we do to please men? Um, how can we make men happy? How can I mould myself to this shape? And, you know, fuck that. And I absolutely don't feel that anymore. And I think that um, maybe if this was a few years ago, I'd, I'd be in an, I'd be in a relationship and not be very happy and be moulding myself to fit someone's criteria of what they wanted from a girlfriend. And I absolutely refuse to do that anymore. And I feel very much more empowered by it. I don't know what you think, Kim. Yeah, I 100% agree. And yeah, I'm really in favour of it. I think it's a really positive thing. I don't, I agree with Anna. I don't think necessarily people are less willing to work things through. In fact, I don't know many people who haven't been to see a therapist in the last couple of years for example I think more than ever we're a very self-aware generation if we have issues we're aware of what they are and we're actively making those steps towards it um but I know you know I'm actively dating now I have a long list of criteria and I'm not compromising on any of that like and What's I think oh god it's down to like really tiny things down to taste in literature and music but then also really basic things of like political beliefs and not being rude to service staff. And so, you know, there's a spectrum, some slightly more irrational than others. Um, but they're things that I'm like, actually, do you know what? 
no, this is important to me. I'm not willing to compromise on it. Um, and that's absolutely fine. And if that means I'm single for the rest of my life, I would rather, again, take that because I don't, I'm in a position where I don't need a partner. I never will need a partner. Yeah. Um, I think actually as a generation, so many more people are moving that way. I know so many more people single than in relationships and those in relationships it's very fresh um and as soon as these things kind of do come up in relationships it's like well actually maybe we're just not compatible and rather than trying to mold ourselves to be one way or another to make this relationship work we're probably better alone and that's also fine it's interesting to me because of course i'm a very different generation than you are and um it's interesting to hear somebody say coming up in the noughties that was like mold yourself too, because that was something that had gone away and came back. Mm. Right. Cause I grew up in the sixties and seventies entered the dating world, the late seventies and eighties. And, um, um, there was a lot of, you know, you don't mold yourself to a partner. That's not how it's done. And, and then it went away. Yeah. Like, cause, cause you watch the swings. And I think I, I work with people a lot on creating lists, proper lists that are not only what you want, but are very clear about what's non-negotiable and what isn't non-negotiable and why it's important to pay attention to that once you catch feels and, you know, you're sexually attracted because oftentimes the list goes out the window mm -hmm. and where, you know, you can make compromises and where you absolutely don't want to, um, because you're going to be miserable and what incompatibility actually looks like. And so one of the areas I end up talking to people a lot about is what sexual compatibility looks like and why that's so bloody important, because it's an area that's really hard to change. And so if you are truly incompatible, one of you is very kinky and it's necessary for your your arousal and the other of you is not interested at all unless you're willing to be non-monogamous you, you put yourself in a position where you're you're going to be unsatisfied mm. or somebody's going to be uncomfortable and that there are a lot of things we can change and it's okay to change but there are some things that are hard to change like you wouldn't be trying to change your political beliefs would you yeah and i wouldn't that want would to change anyone else's no, and, the, and, 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 and some of the deep moral things that, that you live by, those are not things you're going to be trying to change. And yet people think it's perfectly acceptable to try and get somebody to change their sexual desires and their sexuality as a whole in order to fit in the relationship. And it, it just, just doesn't work. Laurie, can I ask you a question as a sex Absolutely. Therapist? What is this thing with choking? Oh, God. Okay. Um, so <laughs> This is one of my, this is one of my real bugbears. Um, so yeah, you get a little high if you, if you stop the air, you stop the blood flow, people get a little high. That, that, that's the basic of it is if you get a little high, then orgasm feels different. It was just start there. Mm -hmm. However, it became a trend because of social media. There've always been people into breath play but social media made it a trend and they made it a trend with youngsters, you know, and it is the most, one of the most dangerous things you can do, not for the obvious reason, but because accidental deaths are not uncommon. Mm -hmm. Accidental issues are not uncommon because you cannot predict how somebody's body is going to react to having various blood vessels compressed and having windpipe and air compressed. You can't predict it easily. Um, so there are some people who have um, a spontaneous response to barely touching and then they'll, they'll pass out and that might be fine because all they've done is pass out. I know I say that might be fine and people are like, oh, right? All they've done is pass out, but other people might have a heart attack. And so it's one of those things initially when I started talking about this, I would talk about, you really need to make sure that you get instruction, that you really understand anatomy and physiology. Um, and um, it can feel really cool for a variety of reasons. The physicality of it can feel cool, but also it is a really good way of showing dominance. So if you're into that, this person literally has your life in their hands. So if they're into that level of control, it's really hot for them. If you are into that level of surrender, it's really hot for you. Um, 
but even with lessons and I mean, we actually went along on a course and after doing the course have not done it since. And that was years ago. And it was something that I really enjoyed, although not to the level that some of these kids are doing it, but it was something that I really enjoyed. And it's something that I'll never do again because the possibility of an accident, I want to live the possibility of an accident that either causes permanent brain damage, which would like fuck my life completely or kill me is just not something I'm willing to play with. The popularity of it has really come from the social media. And I don't remember what music video, don't know what it was, um, but I do remember when the trend started on TikTok. And every, like all these people, I think it started on TikTok, not Instagram, as, as far as trending. I might be wrong, but I think it was TikTok. And all of these people who were otherwise not into kink, not into BDSM, knew nothing about consent. So this wasn't even, that's the other problem with this, is this wasn't even done as a considered consensual act that we talked about. This was like, you know, shove your girl across the wall, you know, up on the wall. And that was, people were doing this. They're using belts, which is just insanity. Um. Yeah, you can see I have issues around it. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's just something that comes up so much, and I haven't had the chance to ask an expert about it because I was telling yeah. Kate, um, you know, we were we were actually doing a, po- a promotional podcast for the book, but it really got quite got quite deep, and I was like, well, some guy just grabbed my throat, and I and it has honestly sent me sideways. It's made me really nervous about meeting people so, in person. Right, some guy who just grabbed your throat is somebody I never see again. Like, yeah, oh yeah, I, I mean, I can't I mean, out, but. But it's become, it's become, and I think one of the things that upsets me about this, and this is a social media issue, it's a big social media issue. I see people on TikTok all the time giving the most amazing misinformation. I've been involved in kink and BDSM for 40 years. So just a little time. Um, and I see people giving the most outrageous misinformation. Mm-hmm. And if you try and correct them, well, you know, young people know things too and can teach too. I'm like, yeah, but that's that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's not the actual, some of it's the actual King community, but there's like a subset of people who are just, this has become part of sex. It's become part of rough sex. And therefore they don't ask for consent. They just do because they don't think they need to discuss with you what is it that you like in bed. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's amazing to me how few heterosexuals actually discuss what they desire before they fuck. I mean, just being really completely straightforward. They go and they do it and they talk about it later. They don't actually talk about what they like. So therefore you're not, of course, somebody's gonna come and and put their hand around your throat because they haven't discussed consent with you because they haven't talked to you about what you like maybe you would have liked that if they actually asked you yeah still would have been dangerous but you know so yeah um and i i blame social media for that i don't know what we do about it i don't i you know i don't think there's a remedy unfortunately no um and i'd like to know from both of you if we if we're going to talk about x and you're both kind of polyamorous in the way that you work can you tell that i interview people Laurie? i'm not very good at being interviewed um <laughs> but i would really like cool. to know if we're talking about getting the ick with people so can you like are there different people that you could date at the same time and be kind of getting different icks from different people but because but because not one of them is giving you too many you're kind of you you can kind of deal with it it depends on the ick Right, right there. Because some of them will be big things that literally make me dry heave, and then others will just be like, "Oh, it's a little bit annoying." But it all depends. It really depends. Can on I have some examples? The level of the egg. Um, I dated a guy recently, <laughs> and really liked him. Was all good, and then first time around his house, he it like continued for about half an hour to explain to me the computer that he built, which. Obviously, on a surface level, very impressive thing for me, literally felt my vagina dry up. So (laughs) never saw him again. Um, You know, so it's different levels, whereas another guy vapes, which, again, not a fan of, but most people vape now. So it's fine. I can I can make my peace and can continue dating him. So it does depend on 
So when you say vapes, when you say vapes, are you talking like tobacco, nicotine? Yeah, like, you know, the ones that are really trendy at the moment that everyone seems to be. Vapes. Look, I smoked for for 27 years um, and I don't I don't smoke any. I quit smoking in 2002. Um, And so I, you know, I'm around people who vape. I guess that's an ick for me on a regular basis, but if it was somebody I was dating once in a while, like if it was a fuck buddy or something like that, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I know a couple of people, particularly in America where, you know, um, marijuana is legal in various places. That's different, right? So I have people who smoke dope. And again, I'm fine with that. It only becomes an ick if like they're never sober. Yeah. And that's one where you're talking about balancing out. That's one that that works with. Like, so if I'm going to be living with you and you're never sober, I'm not living with you. But if I only see you once a month. Yeah. I think that's a very good point. It's also the type of connection as well. Exactly. As you say, if it's someone who I'm just seeing for casual sex, I'm less bothered about stuff than someone who I'm going out and like dating and going out for dinner with and have more of like an emotional thing with. Rudeness with wait staff and service staff yeah. um, is an automatic buy. Yeah. Automatic 100%, 100%. buy. 100%. In any capacity, on any yeah, no. connection, gone in the bin. Yeah, no, I, I can't. I mean, it's one thing if you get annoyed when somebody's being rude to you. I can live with that. I can kind of deal with that if you finally lose your cool, because I've done that. But what I can't deal is, t- is talking to people like they're less than. Mm-hmm. I have a huge problem with people who talk to people as though they're less than. Um, for whatever reason, right? Um, and um, and I don't do stupid well. And no, I, stupid I, is oh, stupid is gross. <laughs> I don't do stupid. I mean, I'm honest about it. I really, really don't. It. I, I. I'm. You know. I know how bright I am, and the people I get involved with have to like be able to match me, yeah. or run circles around. If they run circles around me, or come come even close to doing that I'm in love right but they've got to be able to match me if they cannot keep up with me that's really interesting because I've really found that that so many people that like especially on apps and stuff say that they want you know they want someone that's strong and independent knows their worth all of that and then they meet some reality and independent knows their worth and they're like whoa you know you you are worth way too much in your eyes you need to be more um so you know more submissive submit to me more and just be my cute little girlfriend and that's something that I keep coming up against and I'm like oh what is wrong with all of you this is why I'm I'm a single (laughs) yeah no so I am I am actually you know I am actually um a sub I'm not submissive I, I surrender so it's different but um in order for me to do that there has to be a ton of respect and I have to you have to at least be my equal and mm-hmm. so, um, so you're not going to see me in a day-to-day dating thing, you know, just being a submissive, look, it's not going to happen. It's like, you don't get any of that until you can prove to me yeah. that there's a reason <laughs> I would want to suspend my over control mm-hmm. <laughs> in order to do that. Um, and I know my own worth, but it took a long time because that was really frowned upon. Um, you know, you won't have, you won't have dates. You won't be able to marry all of these things, but what we were taught. I was really frowned upon. I remember when I was in graduate school when speed dating first came out um, and a friend of mine and I decided to go speed dating. We were both finishing our PhDs in clinical psychology and we're on this speed dating thing. And these guys would be like, because this was heterosexual dating. These guys would be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Until they found out what we did. <laughs> and as soon as we said that we like were not only psychologists, but advanced education, right? That was the end of it. That was the end of it. The date was over. <laughs> Well, I guys tell me you're too smart. I don't want a girl that's that smart. Like, what? I just, yeah, it baffles me. I think that is, that's definitely something. I think that also social media, I mean, as well, you know, it's kind of reduced so many women to just like what they look like as well. And just being yeah. cute and, and good looking. And, and it's like, whenever anyone has anything else to say, suddenly everyone's got an opinion about, you know, a negative opinion about them. And I've never, I've never fit conventional beauty standards. So, um, you know, I'm a larger girl and um, I've taken a lot of shit for that at times when I wasn't actually large. Um, so it was really bizarre to kind of suddenly realize looking back on photos from when I was 18, 19, 20, how actually 
slender I was when I was believing that I was huge, you know, um, but it, it makes you think about who it is that's attracted to you and stuff and anything. I mean, I see, I watch somebody put someone down for their appearance and I just think, well, I, I'm just going to be next. So I, I don't want any part of that. That's another one that'll be an automatic kick to the curb. Mm -hmm. Um, like you're, you have a right to a preference that I'm cool with. You can, you can prefer not to date somebody my size. That's fine. I might prefer not to date somebody who looks like you. That's fine. That's not a problem. It's about what you say about it. You know, and I look at people's social media. Yeah. I always look at who they're following, not in like, a, oh, I wonder like what girls they're following, but like the influencers and the celebrities and um, that kind of thing. So I always find that really telling in terms of the media they're consuming um, and the ideas that they might subconsciously be picking up as well. Um, that's always something I look at in terms of like bigger scale X. I remember when like Andrew Tate wasn't banned on social media. Um, I remember literally just like going on his profile and then just unfollowing every person I knew who was following him so I was like you are not people I want to associate with um in any capacity but that would be and a lot of them were guys who I've been speaking to on dating apps um so that's always a big thing for me if we're talking about like more serious ex that actually but but are we lying about red flags and you know that there is mm. a kind of fine line between something yeah. that makes you feel a bit and something that's actually not morally okay by your standards well lying is a big one for me so um i am upfront about being non-monogamous and and completely transparent and one of the worst incidents um in recent years for me was discovering that um a situation that i thought was completely transparent wasn't and i was absolutely mortified to discover that this woman really had no idea what was going on when i had been assured that everything was above board. Um, so lying is a, is, a, is a real problem and lying by omission bothers the hell out of me as well. Um, this idea that you're better off um, asking for forgiveness than you are permission. You know, I mean, that is that yeah, I, when I work with couples, I'm like, there's a great way to end your relationship, right? Because you, you once you break trust, it's really difficult to get it back. So stuff like that are my big red flags, but um, yeah. I definitely think to your first question, I, I, we can spread the ick out sometimes. So it doesn't, all, if it's not all in one person, there are things I can deal with. And then there are activities I won't do with somebody. So, so yeah. I can think of one person I won't go out for meals with. Because they have because, bad habits. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I 100% agree with that. There was one guy who I was seeing a few months ago and the way he walked really bothered me um, because he walked like a toddler, like there was no sort of foot movement. It was like a stomp. Um, so we could only meet up like at someone's house or to a restaurant and then me leave. Um, so you didn't I have to see him walk. We couldn't spend like the day together or go from like a bar to a restaurant. It had to be one venue. That's really that. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm reminded of, um, you know, you know, you know, the song you can't eat at everyone at, at everybody's house. You yeah. Know that? Okay. So that's one for me. Like, you know, so I'm, I'm big into food and cooking and um, there are some things I'll see and I'll be like, you can't eat everybody's house. <laughs> like, I am not. No, no. Oh, there's another one. Okay. Here's my favorite. Here's my favorite ick that has been talked about a lot recently. People who don't wash their legs. Sorry. Okay. So unbeknownst to me, I'm ethnic. Okay. So I'm, and, and I know it's not all white people, but this is where it started. Okay. So I'm Jewish. And in my family, we have washcloths, faith cloths, that when we were children, we were taught to scrub our skin with the soap on the face cloth, right? And then you wring the face cloth out and then it goes in the wash, right? That's how you wash. You wash from top to toe. But there is a subsection of people who are Caucasian who apparently believe that the water in the shower will wash their legs and feet. So they do not actually wash their legs. And uh, I was amongst a group of people of color when I learned that this was a thing. <laughs> and I was like, what? Right. So, and so we started, <laughs> I started asking people because I wanted to see. And there were some people I know. And I was like, oh my God, 
I could never sleep with you because you don't wash your legs because they no, think that water will actually, you know, this is giving me water, trust issues. Yeah. So, this is the thing. This is, this is a big, big, big ick for me. You know, it's like, if you don't actually properly wash your body and then the number of heterosexual men who do not wash their butts. Uh, I oh, I do. Yes. Yeah. Cause I'm, you know, I'm not heterosexual. My sexuality is all about power. So it could be any gender, but it seems to be a heterosexual male thing who don't believe they actually need to clean properly their butt. I don't understand. Honestly, all they need to do is spend a day in the life of a gay man and they would understand. Right, I know. I'm like, I'm going to send you to gay man school. (laughs) It's just like, what the fuck? But I just, you know, and I don't want to blame their mothers because I know that that many mothers teach properly and then kids don't take it. And you can't be washing people's bums forever. No. You shouldn't be. No, I have no interest in washing a grown man's bum. No. Or a grown woman's bum for that matter. Well, you know, anyway, yeah. Yeah, but but I must say I haven't met many adults assigned female at birth who didn't wash. Yeah, every woman I've been hanging with the right people. Very clean, very ready, you know, we're all good. Men. Yeah. Although, you know, if you listen to stories from salon owners about when women come in for waxing and stuff. Yes, that is true, actually. Pretty, pretty scary. So yeah, that's that's definitely one. That's probably one of my biggest dicks. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing until now, and now I'm terrified to go on a oh, date. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was scared old when, right? No, I, I mean, when I, I learned it, and I was like, oh my God. And then I found out that there were a lot of people that I knew who really believed that they were like oh you just let the water sluice over you and I'm like no there's dense skin cells I'm so here I am explaining and I'm like oh that's why you smell musty <laughs> I'm literally gonna have to go and text everyone I'm dating and see if they wash their legs <laughs> if not some decisions I've got to I'm make. actually gonna have to have, have a word with myself in the shower like uh because I'm not sure I'm not sure if I'm scrubbing enough Laurie and now I'm embarrassed well like you, I mean you don't have to scrub forever but you have to at least know you have to wash them right that's that's like Soap you know. needs to be in contact with skin. Yeah. At some point. Soap, soap needs to come in contact with skin, preferably on a sponge, a loofah, or a, a thing, and not just your vehicle. hands. A vehicle. A vehicle. I do understand sometimes hands are, are what's there, and that's the way it is. But, you know, I mean, I just, it's just really funny. Like, I remember going shopping with, with an ex who shall remain nameless. And, um, well, it, it actually doesn't matter, not alive anymore, so... Um, with my first husband and um, I'm, you know, my mother was giving us extra towels and, you know, hand towels and face towels and big towels and Americans have loads of towels and then face cloths, washcloths, we call them. And he's like, what, what are those for? And I looked at him. I'm like, to wash your body? Well, you have a hand. No, you don't. (laughs) Were you already married by this point? Yes, we were already married. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> We've never showered together. So, you know, you never know, right? And sometimes. It, so that's also on my agenda when I first date somebody. That when we start getting physical, I want to see how they clean themselves. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be on my list now. I didn't know that that was something that's going to be added. Yeah. Something that really grosses me out um, when you are, because I, I love I love a little conjoined shower that's not what I mean I love company in the shower is when they use when they use shampoo to wash their hair and then wash their dicks that was one of that must have been one of your it's the the three in one (laughs) three in one yeah yeah. but like let's be honest go to a straight male's house it's not three in one it's like some sort of seven in one like conditioner mouthwash toothpaste shower gel like shampoo (laughs) they do not know how to have skincare Oh, oh my yeah. god, man. Okay, no, now people of people of color, it it skincare is a different thing. That was another one. It's like, do you not know about lotion and cream? Yeah. Like like you're like sandpaper. Why why do you why have you not put hand cream on? So I just bought this house and I and I it used to be a bed and breakfast. And so um in the bedrooms, all the bedrooms have ensuite bathrooms, which is yes, lovely. Uh, that means I can have my own bathroom. He can have one down the hall. Makes Amazing. me very happy. Um, but um, in the shower are dispensers. You know, mm-hmm. like, because 
So I immediately smelled the stuff in the shower dispensers and poured it out, <laughs> washed it out thoroughly and took my stuff, my good shower gel and put my shower gel in there and my second shower gel because you have different shower gel for different things. And then, you know, I still have a shelf where I have all my shampoos and conditioners because this is a process, a very long <laughs> process, um, you know, and like hair mask and all of this. And uh, so I'm like, do you need some stuff? Oh, I'm using what's in there. I'm like, oh my God, how are you using what's in there? <laughs> yeah. There's a thing about a lot of straight blokes are really weird about cream. Like I always have hand cream and I'm like, do you want some hand cream? And they're like, oh no. And I'm like, yeah. sorry, how fragile is your masculinity? Well, and also you need it. Like, do they not understand the barrier? And like, I mean, you know, and, but it's different because in people of color, it's part of their upbringing. And so, in fact, when my husband and I um, were together, we hadn't been together that long. We were in an event and we left the room and we were in the lift and he had not put any cream on. And so he was looking ashy because that's what happens. Like, because you can really see the skin change. The thing with, with uh, light skinned people is you don't necessarily see the dryness, but with dark skinned people, you see it. And so one of the older women told him off for leaving the room ashy and making it look like I didn't know how to take care of him. Wow. Right. <laughs> She's like, you know, I know she knows better. I know she understands that, you know, this is part of your skincare routine. And so they're, you know, they're brought up from a young age with skincare and hair care. So there's oils and creams and things to keep that moisture in. Um, Jewish people originally from the Mediterranean, we're also brought up with that because our skin would dry out otherwise. And it may also be why I look younger because I've kept up with all of that. Um, but, um, you know, average Caucasian that I've met is not brought up with that and therefore doesn't get it and associates it with being female. And so it is, I get it, it's fragile, fragile masculinity. Isn't that weird? Yeah. We have really crossed borders with this, haven't we? Talking about the ache. Like, <laughs> it's, I mean, this is part of what I like about this. And I think, so um, one of the reasons I'd recommend it is because it's a good laugh, but it actually makes you think seriously about things. Um, and so much of the writing in this area is so ponderously serious and intense. And it's nice to just, be able to laugh about it, but also to look at how many different areas. It can also be a self-reflection tool. Like, you know, what are my, you know, there were a couple of them in there. I'm like, oh shit, that's me, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, like, well, somebody uh, hates that about me. A Most lot of them, them in there were came out because Anna and I had done it in the writing process and been like, oh, that needs to go in. Like the vast majority in there are things that we did in real time. And we're like, that needs to go in the book. Yeah, I'm yeah. actually disgusting. As yeah, a person. <laughs> <laughs> most of us are, I mean, that's the other part of this is for people to get that most of us are. This is just a very personal thing that we're doing. One, you had it for looking at getting over a breakup, but also for when you're considering what's important to you in dating. Mm. It's a great exercise to be like, okay, so let me really think about this. What are the things that are really important to me? And what are the things? And it, they don't have to be rational. I know people always think they have to be rational. Like yeah. were they to say, I, I don't want somebody who, who doesn't wash their legs. They'd be like, you know, that's frivolous. But no, to me, it's really important. Irrational is completely valid. There's no such thing as irrational as far as the ick is concerned. Cause you don't know what's, you don't know necessarily that an ick is an ick until it happens. And then you're just like, oh, that's a thing that I'm not okay with. Well, um, then there's this other thing I want to be, you know, be, before we wind up, I want to, I want to mention misophonia because I don't know if you know about misophonia. Misophonia is a neurological condition where um, certain sounds um, or actions bother a person so much that they enrage them immediately. And it is neurological, it's not a behavioral thing. So you know, if you ever, if there's ever a time where you're looking at your partner and just their breathing makes you wanna kill them. Mm -hmm. And it's at that level, it has to be, in order for it to be misophonia, for them to consider that you have this, it's gotta be at the level where you actually wanna kill them, not just it annoys you, it's like you wanna shake them until, right? Um, a lot of people have misophonia around people's chewing sounds mm -hmm. and breathing. And so these are things that are like ick a hundred times a hundred. Yeah. Um, and there are some, some things that they recommend for it, but there's no you know, 100% proper treatment. So that's another area that gets people who wanna go 
Yeah, 100%. I've definitely had exes have that with me um, because I have nasal polyps, so I can't breathe out of my nose very easily. Um, So I have like, especially in my sleep, I'm a really heavy breather and it has driven exes to that level before. (laughs) Oh, well, and I also, I have, um, I have a silent reflux and, and which causes a drip. And so one partner, because I clear my throat, one partner was like, absolutely crazy. I wanted to kill me. Yeah. The sound of me clearing my throat. And I was just like, there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. Yes, you can train yourself. No, I'm, I'm like I'm lying. I'm literally can't. <laughs> you know, we're not compatible because you can't stand this. <laughs> we actually, we're not compatible for about a hundred other reasons, but that was one of the main ones. Yeah. So- Tell people where they can find the book. From all good retailers um, and and bad ones. Um, Jeff has a few copies on Amazon. Um, Barnes and Noble. um, It should be available from your independent bookshop. If it's not on the shelf, they'll be able to order it in. Um, If you're in the UK, it's... um, from All Good Bookshop, Waterstones have a lot of copies. Um, we always will encourage you to support your indies um, and yeah, all good online retailers. And if they want to find you and follow you online, where should they look? Um, you can find me. Um, I I tweet at Anna M. Burt, B-U-I-T-T, um, but I, ke- I keep it kosher because um, because of work um and um i um i don't have a personal instagram account but i um instagram from um the podcast that i run called the brighton book club so it's at btn book club kitty's much cool. more interesting on social media <laughs> it's only instagram because i have no filter on instagram whatsoever um on twitter my twitter is at kitwinks and my instagram handle is at winkussy w-i-n-k-u-s-s-y brilliant So thank you everybody for listening again this week. Next week, the letter will be J. Um, If you enjoyed the show, please do leave a review. As usual, I'm running a monthly raffle for 30 minutes free time with me to talk about whatever you like for the best review. Reviews are really important and I get that people don't like to write reviews for sex podcasts, but I really appreciate it when they do. Um, If there are people you want to hear from or topics you want to hear about, please do email me at lauriebeth at drlauriebethbisbee.com and I will happily add them to the list. As you know, we've been running since 2016 and we just keep repeating the alphabet and um, I'm always happy to get a new look at a topic or to cover a brand new fresh topic. So do make suggestions. I hope you have a fantastic week and I will see you all again next week. Thanks guys for joining me. There's the book. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex or the A to Z of sex if you're in North America. If you enjoyed the show, please do leave a review wherever it was you listened to it, but especially head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher. Reviews really help the show get out there. If you want to support my work, you can support it through my Patreon page. That's Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee on Patreon.com. You can also head over to DrLoriBethBisbee.com and subscribe to my free mailing list, which will keep you updated as to the activities I am getting up to and any special appearances. For people who subscribe to the Patreon, there are special broadcasts, merch, um, and the opportunity to get discounted tickets to a lot of the events that I do. Knowledge gives you power. The more you know, the better your relationships, the better your satisfaction and joy. If you've got suggestions for the show, comments or questions, do email at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.com. And I will try and incorporate them. Have a wonderful week filled with loads of joy.